When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's an enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Not only is it Friday, not only is it the Friday of a long weekend... But it's a glorious Friday morning And I get the sense I just get the sense The feeling in me water That if we are very careful We are nearly at the end of this We are at the beginning of the end We are getting through it And a degree of normality is returning The company of friends and relations is returning Hope is returning I think hope is returning. We'll focus on that in a while. We'll hear again what the Taoiseach had to say. Talk to some people reacting to it. Fantastic scenes this morning, actually, in Belfast, where they're a week or two ahead of us. We've explained why. It's down to a better vaccination program, or at least a more advanced vaccination program. Pennies in Belfast. And I was there last summer on my holidays, we spent an afternoon getting out of the rain in that particular pennies. It is a, what, Primark, as they call it up there. It, they can't get it right. <laughs> it's a huge shop. Like, it's one of the biggest pennies I've ever been in. And we spent a four, I mean, you know, spending money in pennies is never easy. You know what I mean? We spent a flipping fortune in pennies last July when we were on our holidays there so it was great to see you in the queue outside they open at 7 o'clock everyone's standing separately in the queue and we are only a few weeks away from that happening here it'll be great to see it and we just have to be really really careful when it does happen all that is to come and I'd like to know how you feel I want to know what's the first shop 
you'll go to when it's open. Will it be pennies? Fergal actually wants to go to the Mother Jones Market. I love the Mother Jones Market. Haven't been in there in a long, long time. And that'll be opening, we think, on the 17th of May. The second-hand shop on Pope's Quay. Great spot. Love it. Love it. And Terry, Terry, ever since he came to Cork, he's hearing us talking about Pinocchios. He wants to take a toddle into Pinocchios and see what they have to offer. Um, I'm wondering where I want to go myself. I'll, I'll think about there's so many different places I want to visit myself. All that is to come, though, and as I said, we'll, we'll listen to what the Taoiseach has been saying. But I want to go, first of all, to Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, because big story last evening. Five people arrested. Uh, a firearm was discharged. It was a gunshot, in other words, during a Garda search operation around the Rochestown area last evening. Now, Fiona, the geography of the area, these houses are a short distance past the Rochestown Inn as you drive towards Passage. That's right, isn't it? Good morning. That's right. It's a place called Island View on the Rochestown Road. And Gardy went there yesterday to a house. It was a terraced two-storey house. And they arrived there at around six o'clock yesterday evening as part of an investigation into ongoing criminal activity. Now, there were members of the um, detectives attached to the Cork City Detective Unit, and they were supported by the Armed Support Unit. And as they were trying to gain entry to the house, a shot was fired by the occupants of that premises. And um, the Armed Support Unit moved in and sealed off the area. Now, five people were arrested. They included four men. One was a teenager in their late teens, two in their 20s and one in his 50s and there was one woman in her 50s and they were arrested and they've been taken to a number of Garda stations in Cork City under Section 30 of the Offences Against the State Act which means that they can be held for up to 72 hours. Uh, Garda carried out a search off the premises when they did gain entry and they discovered a number of items and weapons and they included two improvised firearms and ammunition alongside a number of petrol bombs Bombs. They also found axes, cleavers, hatchets and pikes. So that investigation is ongoing now this morning. This all broke very late yesterday evening mm. and um, the people remain in custody, in guard the custody this morning. But, um, you know, as I said there, they could be held for up to 72 hours. So it could be Sunday or even Monday before um, there's any development there with that. Um, but Gardaí are investigating this. Now, they didn't specify in the press release that was sent out yesterday evening what the ongoing criminal activity is. But I understand that they were investigating mm. um, a feud that was going on between two families. Mm. Local knowledge from last evening would suggest, Fiona, that they've been watching those houses for quite some time. Yeah, they had to gain a search warrant, so they would have had to apply for that through the court system. So uh, they had been watching this house for some time and the, the occupants were had come to the Gardaí attention. Um, so that's they, they moved in then yesterday evening and this is what happened then when they moved in, the shot was fired. Now, thankfully, there was no one injured in the incident. Um, but, yeah, the, the, obviously they'll be investigating the whole incident now and the circumstances mm. around that discharge of the firearm. You wouldn't be expecting any court follow-on in the immediate sense, probably after the weekend, would it be, do you think? 
if there is yeah, to be they a might have a spell. Yeah, um, I suppose it depends. Um, like after seventy-two hours, they'll have to be charged or released. Now there will be added time for breaks and yeah. for sleeping, and um, some of them might be released without charge, and a file will be sent for the DPP. And others, then, if there is a court appearance, there may be a special court sitting over the weekend. Okay. But we'll just have to wait. We'll and watch see. it and see how how it progresses. Fiona, thank you for that. That's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. That uh, story flying around social media last evening it's it's a part of the the town part of the city suburbs i know very very well because uh, one of my happiest places ever to gig was the Rochestone Inn. I only met one of the lads recently, actually, that I used to meet on a Sunday evening down in the inn when I played a few tunes there between six and nine of a Sunday evening and uh, they, how much they miss it and all that, how much they miss the inn. But these houses very near uh, the Rochestone Inn, so I'm very familiar with the area. 1850 So, last evening, uh, pretty much bang on time, the Taoiseach took to his feet... Now, yesterday morning, we were talking here with Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun, who went through pretty much what we could expect. And indeed, we got everything that was expected. Uh, Adam told us in that interview yesterday morning that in actual fact, the message coming from Neffet was that when everything is drilled down, Neffet are at this point in time reasonably happy with the way things are going, reasonably happy with the way the vaccine program is dovetailing with reopening. And while there is this famous abundance of caution and while everybody is careful and we don't jump the gun, we should be okay to move forward. So that's what Neffet brought to the government Wednesday evening, as Adam Higgins was explaining. So they were able to go ahead with pretty much everything that they wanted to do. So the Taoiseach then took to his feet last evening. The good news is that the strategy is working. Because of your hard work and sacrifices, we are in a better place. A million of our children are now back safely at school. Our young people are back playing sport. House building has safely restarted all across the country. Vital non-COVID health care is being restored. And critically, our national vaccination program is progressing well. By tonight, more than one and a half million vaccine doses will have been administered. The next phase will commence on the 10th of May, the resumption of inter-county travel. Click and collect services and retail by appointment can begin at all non-essential retail outlets with full reopening on the 17th of May. Galleries, museums and other cultural attractions can reopen. Our libraries can reopen again. Religious services can resume with a limit of 50 people attending. And we can increase the numbers of people able to meet outdoors for social purposes, including in private gardens, to a maximum of either three households or a group of six people. Small organised outdoor gatherings will also be possible, with a maximum attendance of 15 people while outdoor training for adults can also recommence in pods of a maximum of 15 people. can also confirm that on the 10th of May, hairdressing and other personal services will reopen by appointment all across the country. Subject to the situation remaining stable, we will then proceed with the next phase. And this would mean that from June the 2nd, hotels, B&Bs, guest houses and self-catering accommodation can reopen for guests. And from June the 7th, outdoor services in bars and restaurants can recommence. Outdoor sports matches can recommence, but with no spectators at this time. 
gyms, swimming pools and leisure centres can reopen for individual training. The number of guests attending wedding receptions can increase to 25. And indoor visits in private homes from one other household can begin again. No effort whatsoever will be spared to make sure that every vaccine we receive into the country is administered as quickly as possible. You have responded extremely positively to the launch of the online portal. And I'm pleased to confirm that over the course of next week, the portal will open for registration to all those aged 50 to 59. The COVID vaccines are transformative. Already, almost all of our most vulnerable are now protected. And we can already see that the rates of death, serious illness, hospital admissions and infections in people who have been vaccinated have collapsed. As disruptive, as lonely, as frustrating and as sad as the last year has been, we are getting through it and a degree of normality is returning. The company of friends and relations is returning. Hope is returning. Each and every one of us has an image in our head of a moment that we're looking forward to enjoying when we get through this. I know I have. Tonight, each and every one of us is closer to enjoying that moment than we have been for a very long time. I was waiting for my bus this morning. I took the bus in today and there was another one of those beautiful late spring sunrises. And I was just listening back to Michal's words from last night and I am feeling very happy this morning and I really do feel that we are getting there. It's bloody slow but we're getting there. I wonder how you feel. Next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> it took the proc all of about two minutes to accuse me of taking a pop at the government by mentioning that the Northern Ireland vaccination situation is a number of weeks ahead of ours. That's just a fact, lads. Yes, Boris went on a solo run. He absolutely did. But they're feeling the benefits of it now, ain't they? But we'll catch up. We'll catch up very fast the way things are going. And I'm very confident that the vaccine programme will catch up across the month of May and into June. But I could rely on the proc to have a, have a accuse me of having a pop. They, they, lo- they love doing that. But let's ask how you feel. I... I'm happy this morning. I had a big wide smile on my face, walking up Patrick Street with my coffee in my hand, thinking, do you know what? We are getting there. Let's, let's ask around to some people directly affected. Retail. Uh, click and collect on the 10th of May, opening the doors on the 17th. Vicky is at It's So Me in Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Hi, Vicky. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Um, How has it been a long... Well, it has been a long time coming, but are you happy now? Oh, my God. Huge relief. Absolutely, just huge relief. Can't wait to open the doors, can't wait to get back and meet customers. And I suppose, you know what, none of us thought back in January, I initially thought maybe it might be six weeks, none of us thought that we'd be running into nearly five months. So it's a long, long time coming. And I think we're we're all itching to get back and, you know, have the social interaction and, mm. and meet people again. 
Will you do the click and collect or will you just hold out until the 17th? No, I, I will do the click, click and collect. The demand is definitely there for us. Yeah. You, we have talked about this before. Of course, you had the double whammy. You you were closed down after the fire in 2019 and then had to live through all the rebuild and then just got open again and then closed again. So it's been very rough for the people in it's, Douglas Shopping Centre. It's been, it's been horrendous, I suppose, to be honest, when you think of it. We've been opened for less than a month in the past 20 months. So, you know, we're, we're two years into mm. this nightmare. But the only way to deal with it, I suppose, to be honest, is just to look forward. Mm. Have you been bombarded with people asking when you're going to open and what you'll have in and how your stock is? Oh, 100%. Like, I'm in the shop working behind the scenes continuously, I suppose, really, for the past six weeks to to eight weeks trying to get ready because the stock was coming in and it it needed to be merchandised and the shop needed to be changed. Mm. So I I meet the customers when I'm on my way into the shop in the shopping centre and there's not a day goes by where I'm stopped saying, when are you opening again? And mm. you're trying to explain to them that we know as much, or we knew as much as they did. Yes. You know, we, we didn't know. We didn't know until the announcement yesterday at six o'clock, I suppose the day before we had an idea. Yeah. But we were as much in the dark as everyone else. Yeah. In terms of supply chain, because supply chains for all sorts of goods ha- has been banjaxed by a combination of Brexit and COVID. How is your supply chain for stuff? It, do you know what? I'm very lucky. I have very good labels and I have really good suppliers. But I suppose the hardest thing is in retail and in particular with the labels that I deal with and most retailers would be the same. You're nearly working eight, ten months in advance. Mm-hmm. So like at the present moment, I have all my buying completed for this year. So you're, you know, you're placing orders and a few months ago we didn't know when we would be opened. Yeah. So and what kind of stuff are people going to be buying when you open? What's what's going to be the, the, the runaway trend for the summer? Well, the reality is, like, the impact of everything has impacted retail as well. So in my business, it's a boutique. It would have been very much, you know, driven by occasions. It would have been driven by weddings. It would have been driven by communions. It would have been confirmations, celebrations. And obviously, that's not on the agenda at the moment. Mm. So... I've had to adapt and I've had to change to that and just, you know, change up my style. And it's just, it's going to be more casual, yeah. this, you know, for the foreseeable future until we get back to celebrations. Uh, yeah, how busy would you be, say, in a typical May with communions and confirmations? It would start, it would start kind of early March. Right. Would, yeah, and that would be a huge part of my business. It always would have been for March, April, May. Yeah. And what the wedding season as well for yeah. the summer. Yeah. But I suppose we were closed last year and people hadn't bought clothes in a long time. When you think about this, two seasons people have missed out on and they're eager to get back and spend money. Yeah. Like that's what I'm that's what I'm listening to at the moment Good. from the customers. And you know, some people who've been lucky enough to hold on to their jobs and hold on to their salaries, they've got a couple of bob put away. So let's hope that they will spend money in places like It's So Me in the Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Vicky, uh, great to hear you happy. Uh, this morning and uh, good luck when it comes around. I have no doubt we will talk again with uh, many of our people on the ground on the day that we all reopen. She'll be doing click and collect from the 10th and she'll be doing 
opening on the 17th. And I'm sure you know where to find her if you're a regular customer. Let's go to the bars and restaurant trade. Let's listen first, though, to what the Taoiseach said, because it's the bars and restaurants will be coming in June. So let us remind us again what the Taoiseach said about June. Subject to the situation remaining stable, we will then proceed with the next phase. And this would mean that from June the 2nd, hotels, B&Bs, guest houses and self-catering accommodation can reopen for guests. And from June the 7th, outdoor services in bars and restaurants can recommence. Outdoor sports matches can recommence, but with no spectators at this time. Gyms, swimming pools and leisure centres can reopen for individual training. The number of guests attending wedding receptions can increase to 25. And indoor visits in private homes from one other household can begin again. Okay, the key there is the bars and restaurants, the hotels and guest houses to open for business on the 2nd of June and ahead of the bank holiday weekend. And we understand you'll be able to eat indoors if you are a resident. The pubs and restaurants open for outdoors trade only from the 7th. Now, Liam Edwards down at Jim Edwards in Kinsale tweeted yesterday, I've always believed we'll open our restaurant when it's safe to do so. Mistakes have been made But this is the biggest one. Explain to me how a hotel restaurant is safer than an independent one. You're not happy, Jim, that you can't open inside. First of all, are you able to do anything outside from the 7th? Good morning. It's Jim's son here, Liam Liam Edwards. Liam, I beg your pardon. No problem at all. Yeah, look, we are lucky to an extent, you know, that we we were given temporary closure last year on our street and we we were hopefully were about a week away to get that confirmed again this year. Um, I suppose the problem that we're all going to have is that every restaurant who does outside only, it's not a viable business. It's definitely not a viable business to have outside only. It's it's a great addition to have indoors and outdoors, but you have outside only. Um, for me to make it any weatherproof, I would I'd be looking at investing anything between fifteen and twenty thousand. Um, and because I've only temporary closure, um, it's hard to put that investment in. So I suppose again. We've been left with no clarity. Um, Are you going to open? Um, I'll open weekends, I'd say. Um, I'll open weekends and I will keep an eye on the weather every day, every minute of the day as well, you know, yeah. unfortunately. Um, it will be weather dependent. It's it's a logistical nightmare, really. Like, it's no, it's, I mean, we've always had full-time staff. We've kept them on quite or busy, but if it pours out the heavens on a Friday and I'm open outside only... Um, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing I can do. You know, Liam, you're feeling a small little bit. And in, look, we're in a very good news day here for most people. But I, I, I get the sense that yourself and I was chatting last night with my my pal Paul Javod down in Killarney and a few other people around that you're not happy particularly that a hotel restaurant over the road can have people inside, but you can't. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. This decision was made by Neffet, which is probably the most confusing of, of the lot. You know, a lot of times the government went against Neffet recommendations and they've, they opened up us over Christmas against the Neffet recommendations. But this is coming under a Neffet recommendation that a hotel restaurant is safer than a, a regular restaurant. And, you know, this is very hard. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that just deal with local trade. So you could have a, a restaurant in a town with zero cases and they just they do a, a roaring trade with, with just locals. They've been told they can't open. Yes, a hotel could be 20 minutes down the yeah. road on a seaside and they'll welcome guests from all over the country. It's just yeah. You see, I think that the, the science, uh, such as it is with regard to hotels, I was trying to do a bit of a deep dive into why that might be. And it is that, well, if you're a hotel resident, 
all of your contact tracing is 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 laid down. Numbers are restricted. There's no one walking in off the street casual. So you know who you have and you know where they're from and you know everything about them while they're with you. So there's a bit more certainty in terms of your contact tracing and stuff there. There is, but if, if you remember, a lot of hotels will have a massive outdoor space as well. So all this outdoor space in hotels will be used by the Joe public. They'll be using the facilities of a hotel and mixing with the residents. So I'm, I'm just, like, the hotels have a bigger advantage with outdoor space than, just say, most, most restaurants yeah, in the country. Yeah, car parks and stuff, and put tables in the car park. park yeah. they've, they've got money to invest. Um, they've been hit as hard as anyone, don't get me wrong. And look, there's nothing here saying that we don't want the hotels to open. I don't want the hotels. I just feel it's like for like, so I, I think restaurants should open simultaneously to the hotels. I mean, that's, that's the argument here, really, like, you know? Yeah. The way we're going with vaccinations and with case numbers, they're coming down, not slowly enough. But what's important is that in the vulnerable groups of society, and we heard the Taoiseach saying that last night, people who are already vaccinated, the cases, the hospitalizations, they've gone off a cliff. So as more people get vaccinated, do you think there's a possibility that you'll get to bring people in by July? See, yeah, I wish he, yeah, I mean, he should have addressed this. Like, I mean, he said it'll review again at the end of June. And that just, just kind of leaves total uncertainty. If he, yeah. if he, like, Do we need another announcement? We had Friday the bank holiday, this, or th- this Thursday. Now. Do we need another one, Jay, or Liam? Do we need another announcement and another speech on the eve of the June weekend? I don't think so. I, I, I just think that we need to engage and just to see what they look. Is there a metric involved? In, do we need a certain percentage of, of the population vaccinated before an effort and think it's okay to dine indoors? And if we hit that target, whenever we hit that target, are we ready to open then? I think that's, rather than looking for a date, there must be a vaccination level that, yes. we, that, that we get and that we can all open indoors. But I just wish they would say this to us because it's just having this hanging over your head and yeah. Look, we're going to be faced with another crisis as well because the hotels are opening before us and staff recruitment will be all done by the hotels at the moment. And when we're ready to open, maybe four weeks later, five weeks, maybe, we won't have to be no staff left for us as well. So that's another thing that we're going to have to deal with. I suppose at this stage, people will take what they can get in in terms of the restaurants and and the bars. Uh, Liam, thanks very much for that. That's Liam Edwards and Jim Edwards in Kinsale. Happy that they've got an announcement but unhappy that the hotel over the road can open its indoor restaurant and he can't. And there's a bit of that out there. There's a bit of that out there because not everybody can bring stuff out into the street. And if you can, it doesn't exactly make economic sense to do it. But let's look at what you can do. Let's look at what we can do next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairymaid Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Seven out of ten Cork people drink more than a cup a day. We love a nice cup of coffee. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon happens May 20th to 22nd and we need your help. We'd love you to host a virtual coffee morning with your work colleagues, housemates or family. So get the gang together for a feel-good fundraiser. Grab your special virtual coffee morning pack at 96fm.ie. 
The Giving for Living Radiothon, May 20th to 22nd. Raising funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96 FM. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, I get it that Liam and others are unhappy about the difference between them and hotels. The simplest science of hotels is if you know who your clientele are and you know their residents and you've got all their contact details, it's so much easier to operate in that regard. In and out of a restaurant, they reckon just not safe. And you remember what... what the Taoiseach has been stressing and stressing and stressing all week is when something opens, they want it to stay open. And that's what's really important here. Let's look, though, what can be done because weddings in May are going to be 50... This came up during the week a couple of times. Weddings in May, 50 at the Mass, but then only six for an indoor get-together afterwards and 15 outdoors. It's very small, but... Believe it or not, there are people who cater specifically and specialise specifically in dealing with small weddings. Uh, Orla McAndrew, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. And your company is excited by the prospect of having 15 in a nice outdoor setting to cater for. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'll be twice as excited when it's 50 and 100. But, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot can be done for even weddings of six. I've spent the last couple of months taking care of people who have been getting married with just the sixes and helping them to redesign their home space and make it really, really special. So 15 is a step up from that. And we are excited. It's It's good news for us. And have any kind of an announcement at all that is moving forward is all positive. Mm. 15 in the outdoor is in the summer months. If you've got a nice day, you could do an awful lot with that. Oh, absolutely. And there's some stunning like marquee providers here in Cork and there's amazing um, event planners and space designers. Amy Daunt is one of my favourites. And what they can do with the space, you, you could be anywhere in the world if you have a nice day in Ireland and you have the right team behind you, you can have the wedding of your dreams irrespective of the size or the amount of people at it. You've been surprised, I think, Orla, by how happy people have been who decided to just go ahead with the limitations. And they've been surpri- you've been surprised by how happy they've been. Well, absolutely, because a, a lot of the people who contacted me w- wanted me to come in and do something just to maybe to mark the day and to go on ahead in a, a year or so and have a big, big day to have a proper wedding. But they've enjoyed their special intimate day so much that they've all come back to me and said, no, that's it. We couldn't top that. That was exactly as we'd want it to be. It was private. It was intimate. We got to share it with each other and with our nearest and dearest. And they were totally satisfied. And they surprised themselves, I think. Mm. You know, we all have this notion of the big wedding, the 280 here in Ireland. But actually, when couples get to spend the whole day by themselves, you know, with they get to actually enjoy each other. I know it was very different for me on my wedding day. We mm. 180 and sure we were talking to Auntie Mary and Uncle Billy and we barely got to see each other. So there's a lot to be said for the small intimate weddings. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and especially up to 15 in the outdoors, you can have your really special close friends there, can't you? That's it, absolutely. And it really has been since last August. I mean, we were very quiet last summer because people just didn't know what was happening. But then I think by August, people decided, people who wanted to get on with their lives and maybe start a family, they decided to just go ahead with the smaller numbers. Mm. 
And for every single one of them, they've been completely blown away and delighted with life. That's great. So, That's great to hear. You must be booked up the wazoo, though, at this stage, are you? I'm fairly booked. I'm fairly booked. It's looking good for the rest of the year. Um, and I absolutely love what I'm doing. And it's great that the people who have booked me, have talked to their friends about me. Mm. Um, and so word of mouth is, is fantastic marketing strategy you, as well. You've got so, a lovely yeah. Instagram. Tell people where they can find it. Thank you. It's Orla McAndrew Catering Events. Um, and I suppose we do, I'm doing a series at the moment called We Do Weddings, and it's just helping to highlight all of the Cork and Munster wedding suppliers, and they're sharing their advice and tips um, with brides and grooms, and just talking about you know the positivity around weddings, because... It's a very exciting time in a couple's life and yeah. there's too much doom and gloom around at the minute. So we want to make sure that they know it's possible, yeah. it can be fantastic and, yeah. and we're with, there to help. And on this gorgeous Friday morning with some good news in the air at long, long last. Great to hear that. Orla, thanks very much. Orla McAndrew Catering. You find her on Instagram. And she said that people who did smaller weddings, and we've had one or two of them on, in fairness, over the last few months, people who did smaller weddings were actually very surprised at how happy they were with it. Now, one group that I've had great sympathy for, empathy with, and tried to support as best I could throughout all of this have been the wedding entertainers, the bands, the DJs. And it's very confusing as to what you are or are not allowed to have at your wedding. There is not or has there ever been, Owen, uh, a ban on music? Owen is with the Buchels Wedding Band. Owen, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Has there ever been a ban on music at weddings? No, PJ. No. Um, there was a recommendation from Board Volta in their guidelines um, that some hotels stuck to um, but from what we saw last year, majority of hotels ignored. Um, it's a guideline. Um, in fact, in the statutory instruments, basically the law, it actually says that wedding suppliers can fulfil their contracts. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're welcoming the twenty-five guests back. I mean, look, no one's going June, to have yeah. That'll be June, yeah. Look, no one was going to have music with six guests. We understand that. But we played a lot of weddings last year um, to 25 people, and do you know what? They're great crack. But you might put a fella in the corner, uh, Owen, and I know that as well as having the band, any of you guys are fine solo musicians. You know, you you might put a uh, maybe a, a duo or a fella with a guitar in, a, in the corner of a, yeah. of a garden for a 15er, you know? You might for for a fifteen, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, I suppose you know some hotels and venues were telling telling guests that they were only allowed a DJ or a one man act. But the thing is, if they're breaking the guidelines, if they're not going with the guidelines, they're not going with them. So it means you can you can't have a full band. If the hotels say you can have one person, that means you can have whatever music you want, really, because they're they're not going to go with the guidelines. Mm. Uh, but I just wanted to clarify that with you. There is no actual ban. It's it's a discussion you can have between you and your venue. Absolutely not. No, if you go onto the Wedding Band Association um, website, of which I'm a board member, you will notice that we have COVID policy. All our members are COVID, officer, uh, COVID officers. So we have all the training done. Now, we are in talks at the moment... Um, regarding antigen testing. 
Mm-hmm. And if that comes in, there will be absolutely nothing to stop us having weddings with 50, 100, 200 people with live music full full whack. You know, there was a test done in Barcelona last week, I'm sure you're aware of it, Peter, yes. where 5,000 people at uh, concerts Mm. There's a few tests across the UK today. I think there's one in Liverpool today. I think it's Liverpool. It could be another city, but I think it's Liverpool where 3,000 people are going into an indoor venue, all antigen tested this morning or yesterday, and they're going to chance it. See how Absolutely. it goes. Now, what we're, what, what we're, we're hoping to do is to, to do a test wedding um, in the near future. And... With the results of that, presenting the results of that to to to, uh, mm. to the, part, the, the the correct departments. Of course, the big the big um, advantage you have in the UK is that antigen tests are free. Uh, there are chemists in the city offering to do them here, but they're between fifty and sixty quid. So there's a huge contrast there. Testing companies that 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 will. Um, that, that are starting up in this country, which will dramatically reduce the price of us in the near future. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so, so, what so, you need, so, of course, is, is an effort to go ahead to start doing this. Absolutely. So, I mean, once we can get, once we can do a trial run of it um, and prove that, that that it's safe, then I'm sure an effort. There, there should be no reason for an effort not to. Um, Hello, go ahead. Okay, we'll see where it goes. And I know that I can sense, Owen, again, the relief in, in your voice. And, and I echo this among every single musician and band member and DJ and performer that I know. The excitement is building. It is, PJ, because, look, I mean, to be honest with you, we had to paddle our own canoe through this whole mess without a single cent of support by the PUP, you know, while other businesses... Well, other businesses are actually getting their double CRSS now just to reopen, and we haven't got a, a cent. So, look, it is, it is going to be it's going to be nice to actually go back and earn money and be able to do mm. nice things for our families and things like that because we've been struggling. Yeah, and personally, I say this, and I, I, I still do a little bit, as you know. I can't wait to DJ my first wedding after Absolutely. this. Absolutely. We look forward to Night soon. Talk to you, mate. Cheers. That's Owen from the Buchholz Wedding Band, 1850-715-996. We are getting there. We're getting there. Yes, I am in good form this morning. I, I genuinely feel, I genuinely feel that we're near the beginning of the end here. People are saying there's big queues. The proc actually saying, again, they're very active this morning. Uh, they're saying there's big queues outside Pennies and Derry and that doesn't look good and we'll have full... I'm not, I'm not even getting into that negativity this morning. We'll we'll do it again if we have to sometime, but not today, lads. Not today. Come here, have you a dog in need of grooming? My Harry, my little fella, is off. Harry is off to get himself groomed today. The poor bugger is so desperate for a haircut. I'd say if you actually gave him your mobile phone, he would text the groomer himself to book an appointment at this date. But he's heading off today to be done. And lots of, of dogs in need of grooming. And they say the groomers have been open, but they're jammed up. Pauline was on to the opinion line. She's got a dog. He's an owl lad. He'll be 16 in July. He desperately needs his nails clipped. Pauline's been trying to get a groomer for ages, but she's waiting for weeks. Oh yeah, poor Harry's been waiting for a while as well. She says she desperately needs to get the nails done as he's now sliding all over the floors. That's that's unfortunate because the dog, apart from Aunt Nelsie, get infection in those nails if they start to ingrow. If there's anybody who'd help Pauline with a 16-year-old doggy who needs his nails trimmed, 
desperately. Get us get in touch with us here at the opinion line and we let Pauline know. Hairdressers back from the tenth appointment only. Uh, you'd wonder what's going to be in season for the summer hair-wise because at the moment there's a kind of a bat's nest cut that's out there but I think Kira from uh, Kida Hair in Washington Street you'll be you'll, you'll be inundated once you get the doors open because people are desperate at this stage good morning good morning how are you good. Yeah, we're, we're definitely inundated which we are thrilled about because yeah. um, we really feel the love I mean like there's a lot of robbers dogs going around at the moment you know yeah <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of people wearing hats at the moment, definitely. Um, I think you know, 2021 has definitely not been has not been a good year for hair. Salons haven't been open a day yet of this year, so I have to say, when I'm doing my daily walk or whatever, and you're seeing people every time I see someone rocking their roots and they haven't given in to uh, coloring it themselves, I feel like I want to high five them because they've hung in there so long. Yeah, because a lot of people said at the start, and I've talked to a lot of hairdressers back in January that said, "For God's sake, resist the urge because it'll you'll do more harm than good." Yeah, and you know, look, there is like I mean, no hairdresser worth their salt is going to tell you to pick something up in a supermarket or a chemist because it, it really is a one size fits all. And we, we as well had a lot of messages from people over the lockdown. Understandably. People are frustrated and especially when there's so much rubbish going on and people are feeling fed up, you know, your hair is, I think, a really nice way to pick yourself up. So I I can totally understand why people have. And, you know, we have clients coming back to us um, Monday week, which we're excited about, that will have done it. And look, there's people are afraid sometimes and it's not the end of the world. We get it. But sometimes it does mean and, you know, people understand sometimes it does mean that it might take a bit more work to get back to where we were. And sometimes people are lucky. Sometimes people are unlucky. We do encourage people not to do it. Yeah. But if you have, go back to your hairdresser and they'll get you back to where you need to be. It might take longer than you want, but they will get you back to where you need to be. What are the trends? I mean, out there, obviously, obviously the trend at the moment, like I said, is it's a, it's a bat's, ne- bat's nest or a robber's dog. But, but what will be the trends when you open? Luckily, the trends, to be honest, uh, are kind of working with lockdown hair. So a lot of the time, if there's anyone out there say that normally loads their hair up with a lot of colour and goes for full coverage and wants plenty of colour and loaded it on, and they have a big regrowth, now is the time to start scaling back from that. So a look that um, colour-wise that's been popular is called the money piece. So, for example, if someone has been getting a full head of highlights and putting loads and loads of colour in their hair and then after two weeks, they nearly have a regrowth because there's so much colour in their hair, now is the time to kind of scale that back. So, for example, the money piece is something that a face framing highlights. So what we're trying to encourage people to do now is work with what they have naturally and use colour to enhance what they have. So work with your natural colour a bit more. Um, because it's going to be better for people in the long term, really in terms of regrowth and things like that. And it's a bit more fashionable. It's really gone back to trends. A lot of the trends are really gone back to 1970s vibes. Yeah. So there's a lot of really, mullets around. There's a lot of mullets. And the, the biggest one at the moment is called the shag, which is a kind of like um, a yeah. new a modern twist on, on the mullet. And it is very cool. So we know there's going to be a lot of people looking for that a lot of texture, um, and something just a bit fun. And a lot of hair. In other words, what you got is you've got a lot of hair and you want to put it into some kind of a shape rather than just get rid of it all. 
Exactly. And it is, it's, it's just having a bit of fun with it. And that's what I think a lot of people will be doing now as well, coming back with, with this trend out because people have been bored and yeah. they're fed up and the way to have fun. Is, is that a bit like, is it a bit more. like what Rachel had in Friends? Is that? Um, no, it, it's really, it's, it's different. I think it's hard to describe. Yeah. It, but it's, it's it definitely, Rachel's looks dated, whereas this is a very funky, edgy, forward, funky right. way of doing her hair. So, Rachel's look will be quite dated, even though it was it's an iconic look. Yeah, because um, I'm trying to visualise it in my head because I can I know what a mullet is obviously, but I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I must it's look. Kind of, it's it's a very modernised version okay. of it, and it is it is very cool, and it's something anyone can wear. You like your hairdresser will. It's not again. It's not a one size fits all. Every no one will come out with the same shag if that makes sense. It will be tailored. It'll be tailored to you and what suits your lifestyle and everything else. Gotcha. Are you jammed with bookings already? We are inundated with messages, emails, calls, texts, DMs, but it, it is brilliant because it's, uh, we're feeling the love and it has been, like, it's been an incredibly tough year. Um, we've been closed, like, we opened 20 months ago and we've been closed, so we only launched our business 20 months ago and we've been closed for 10 months of that. So for us in particular, it has been very hard for the first two years in business. But that's life, and to be honest, what kept us going is the demand and the support from everyone and our team, especially. Um, so we are getting, we're in here now every day, getting organised, and we, we're what we're doing is we're prioritising clients who had appointments booked in over lockdown and cancelled because they had deposits on appointments. So we'll be getting to them in the next day or two, and then we will be organising new bookings. Yeah. But we really can't wait to get back quickly before I let you go. I think you would agree, Kira, with the Taoiseach, You know, we've got to stay safe with this because when you get open, you need to stay open. Absolutely, and it's about consistency. And I have to say, I, all salons and the salon industry, hair and beauty, have made a massive, massive commitment to time money, changing practices, sacrificing the capacity that we can do so that we can be safe. And, you know, sanitising was always a thing done in salons anyway. COVID, yeah. it's just, you know, we salons are always probably the cleanest places you could go to. So we are, all salons, I know we've talked to loads of salon owners, especially the last few weeks, we all keep in contact with each other. Okay. And everyone's raring to go and keep everyone safe, our team and our clients. Okay, and here's hoping it all works out. Tickety-boo, Mary Jane, Mary Jane. I know. You're going to tell someone you're going out for a shag, and I know, I know, I know. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Poor Pauline was very worried about her dog. Uh, Very worried because he's 16. There's a six to eight week waiting list for groomers and he's sliding around on his long nails. Uh, She was really worried. Uh, Julie, I think you're going to look after her if you can. Good morning. Hi PJ, how's it going? Great, great. Where are you? I'm in Churchfield. Okay. And you'll look after her if, if, if she can get up to you, will you? Oh, yeah, 
there's no problem there. Hence, we said there's no point for any nails, trims, or anything like that. Right. But uh, if it's an emergency, there's no problem. Yeah. I could do them there and then. There's no problem yeah. at all. He's, he's if a, she wants, to, she does need to give me a shout. Right, she can come up straight up. There's no problem. We'll, we'll sort that off air. Yeah. No, he's an elderly boy and he needs a bit of care. Do you know okay, that's no problem at all. No problem. All right. Um, because since I said it was like, what you call it, I could take him in. No problem. Uh, once he's friendly enough, I presume, anyway. I he? imagine he is. I imagine he ah, is. That's good, that's good. All right, listen, Julie, thank you very much for that. Julie Curtin, Julie Curtin, dog grooming and dog accessories in, in, in Fairhill. Coming to Pauline's rescue. That's the magic of the opinion line. Do you know, Pauline had given up almost, and she picked up the phone to 1850 715 uh, We had, uh, yeah, just delighted with that now. That's nice to get that one sorted for someone of a Friday. Just your reactions. I will come back to them. We're going to move on to some other stuff for the moment, but we're happy to come back. Have a think about something while we're away from it, and that is when all the shops are open on the 17th of May, where's the first one you want to go? I know loads of people at Penny's. Terry reckons it'll be Pinocchio's for him. Fergal wants to go to one or two of the second-hand shops around town. I'm still trying to figure out myself where I actually want to go. Um, I, I will think I, oh yeah I know I, I want to go and buy some some shirts I'm, I'm running low on shirts a uh, couple of shirts for the summer I think that's the, probably the first place I'm going to go and buy when I can uh, 1850-715-996 PJ did I hear correctly Aliyah Radker said last night that before all of this there is an emergency break that can still be pulled yes yes he has said that I heard him again saying it this morning that Neffet have put a kind of a caveat across all of this that they've said, right, go ahead, go ahead for now with our blessing, but if we see things going south, we will tell you to stop. And that's the deal. So all the plan that's laid down now for June and May, and I'll play it again for you later on, May and June, Neffet has got a kind of a caveat there that if the numbers start to go south or anything else happens that's sort of off the charts or off the plan that Neffet have a stop button that they can press so that's just being wary of that uh, Frank says for the first time Michal sounded and acted very stately last night good times ahead we hope uh, one caller here says I hope they're not doing too much too fast well we made that mistake last summer and sincerely hope we won't make it again but surely they could also have done something about weddings you see you're kind of contradicting yourself there caller that is the thing but even if there were some rules attached but I think you have to look at people's lives literally on hold all you hear about is mental health and young people and students but I think the government should do something for one of the hardest hits groups which is in this person's view the weddings See, you can't move too quickly. So that's kind of where we're going. Do you know, you say, I hope they're not doing too much too fast, but they could have done something about weddings. That's a kind of a contradiction in itself. Well, I know where you're coming from. Kate says, I know a lot of people who are literally afraid of staying in hotels. Surely a well-ventilated restaurant is safer. On another note in general, this is the time for Ireland to embrace outdoor dining with different settings for different weather it really is fabulous to eat outdoors. We, we hope against hope, Kate, that we'll have the weather for it. I see as well someone reporting that this morning, I haven't heard it, but I think Sean Defoe is tweeting 
the political correspondent there, is tweeting that Michal Martin has said this morning something along the lines of it'll be late July before we get to have a pint indoors. Late July before we have a pint on door, indoors. That won't go down well with a lot of people, but that's where we are right now. Can't do anything too fast. 1850 If you missed anything in our first hour, of course, you'll get the podcast in the afternoon. The MV Alta. People have been warning for months that something is going to happen down there. Somebody will be hurt. Somebody will be killed. The damn thing will fall cause a pollution problem it needs to be gotten off those rocks ASAP and there's nothing happening about it and then last evening there was a fire, Rebecca Laffin is digital reporter with Cork Bio she was writing about this last night, Rebecca what happened, good morning Morning PJ, how are you getting on? Good. Yeah, so this all kicked off at around quarter to four uh, yesterday afternoon, that's when the alarm was raised and um, smoke was spotted pillowing into the sky um, from passers-by and uh, immediately then there was three units dispatched and a water tanker as well. Obviously, they had a bit of difficulty actually getting onto the scene. Um, Jack Redmond actually got in touch with us at Cork Bio and he observed that there was about 20 to 30 firefighters there. Some actually managed to get on board the MV Alta and it's a massive wreckage. It's about 80 metres long as well. And it seems that the fire um, was isolated to one part of the ship, which is the accommodation unit, luckily. So it wasn't a devastating fire by any means. There wasn't anyone injured, thank God. Um, and yeah, it's it's completely extinguished now. Guardia are remaining at the scene. They were there all night. And right now they're just urging people to stay away because, of course, it has become quite a bit of a, a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. Since it washed ashore um, before the pandemic, that's how long it's been with us, since February 2020 in Storm Dennis, that's when it arrived. I'm looking at your photograph this morning, actually, of it. Mm -hmm. There's a photograph on Bio this morning, and like it's precariously perched. Yes, absolutely. And high tide tide came in last night at 8pm, so that's when everything had to kind of cease and the fire brigade had to leave. Obviously, it got dark as well. But it's kind of lucky the high tide was the highest it's been in a while. But with that high tide, you have things when the tide goes back out again, what's it bringing back out with it? That's kind of the question that everyone's wondering at the moment. You have rust, you have plastic, you have oil. Um, And it is, as you said, very precarious there. And as you said, it it does need to be moved. But the question of how, when and and who and who's responsible. Yeah. Finally, Rebecca, is there any idea as of yet how the fire started no. So obviously speculation will be that it was started deliberately, maybe not deliberately in the sense that somebody wanted to actually, you know, set fire to it, but somebody, you know, could have gone on to it, messed around. There has been activity observed in recent weeks with people getting on board it. Well, we're doing um, TikToks and all. Yes, absolutely. If you even look up Ballycotton, um, ghost ship on the likes of TikTok, Instagram, t- Twitter even, you will see that people are managing to get on board this ship, film it, film the inside, film what very little is left there yeah. um, and sharing it. So, I mean, there is a bit of, um, I guess, intrigue as to what's on board. So people are interested to see, but it's just not worth the risk, no. in my opinion. Um, there are actual um, tours facilitated to um, observing this wreckage yeah. from a safe distance. Yeah. And 
I guess if you are curious, my my um, advice would be to support those local businesses when you can, of course, when things Absolutely. reopen and observe a from safe distance. So. Stay, stay well away. Look, but as they say, don't touch. Thank you, Rebecca Laffin, digital reporter with Cork Pio. They've also got a video on the Cork Pio website of what was happening last night. There's some good photographs too. Thanks, Rebecca. 1850-715-996. We, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago um, when we were heading into April. But we want to focus on it more today because today being the 30th anniversary of the last time Connor and Sheila O'Dwyer were ever seen. Connor and Sheila were a couple in their early 60s from Formoy and they disappeared in 1991. And when we say disappeared, not a hair on their head, not a trace of them or their car has been seen since. Now, Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent, who, who lives in the Fomoy area, has been doing a lot of work on this over the last few weeks. But I've been speaking with one of the Gardaí who investigated it from day one. And we'll hear from retired Sergeant Joe Watkins next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. What is the name of the priest who is said to have founded Cork? Uh, Father Matthew. Uh, no, no, he was the he was the priest that tried to ban drink. Think of a cathedral. Think of a cathedral, Gugon Barra. Started a little a little church in Gugon Barra. Built a monastery in Cork. Uh, Bishop John Buckley. Uh, question, <laughs> <laughs> question number six. What is six forty five on a twenty four hour clock? And Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city, a long standing tradition in Cork. Open 24 7 at nildc.com. Cork's 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. So, 30 years ago today, on the 30th of April, 1991, Connor and Sheila Dwyer attended Mass. It was a requiem Mass, a funeral Mass, at St. Patrick's Church in Fromoy. And they saluted or spotted a woman called Catherine Fenton as they walked away from that Mass towards, we assume, their home at a place called Chapel Hill in Fromoy. Catherine Fenton was the last person to ever see Connor and Sheila Dwyer. Now, at the time, Joe Watkins was stationed in Fromoy, Garda Station, and I've been speaking with... Uh, Joe, in advance of today. Joe, you were a young sergeant at the time the Dwyers went missing. I was a young journalist 
learning my trade, as it were. It was almost as if they walked off the planet, wasn't it? Absolutely, PJ. As as I said in different interviews and talking to different journalists about this back the years, I described it as as if they were beamed up into the sky. It was a, a program on the television and Scotty, beam me up, Scotty. That's how I described it. They were beamed away. I, it, it was baffling. Were you one of the first people that took a report? Yes, I took the report. But you see, it wasn't reported until the 22nd of the May. Now, they were, they were last seen on the 13th of April. And and the last contact that the family had, by phone it was, uh, Connor's wife, uh, Sheila, phoned, phoned her sister uh, on, on the 1st of May. So there was no report made to made to, to the Gardaí, to myself actually, until the 22nd. And um, Maisie uh, called to the station and reported she hadn't seen them or heard about them. Mm. And, and, and and there it started. So they were gone started. for a couple of weeks? They were, yeah. They were gone. There was no, there was no trace. There was no, she hadn't heard of them or seen them. From, from the, last, the last contact she had was the first of May, a phone call from, from Sheila. And then all that one, 22, 20, 21 days passed. 20 days passed and, and until she reported it, you know. And was that just a routine phone call, Joe? Oh yeah, it was of course, and because you see, I'd say they were very close. They were very close family, you know. And and Sheila would have been, would have kept contact. I'd say with it was. There was nothing unusual, you know. Oh no, no, I don't know the I don't know the contents of the call, PJ. But uh, absolutely, it was just a normal call. Like I'd, I'd ring <laughs> my mother at the time, or you would ring somebody, you know. It was a massive investigation, and never a sight or sound of them found. Not a sight or sound, but you see. Uh, a missing person, you see. Where do you start? Where do you start at a missing person report? I mean, if if somebody could, if somebody had alleged, say, it was foul play, it would be a completely different type of an investigation, as you can understand. But there was no question that whatsoever, none, none whatsoever. The investigation started by, by, by going to the house and getting into the house, and and and. Um, that was all their property was there. Everything was intact. Their clothes was neat. Their passports were there. There was some money there. There was documents. And everything was left. There was, the only thing was missing was the, was the occupants and their car. That famous Toyota Cressida, a white distinctive car, a lovely looking car now. And and the five the number that was five seven nine seven is ZT. I will never forget that number. And that was gone. There was no trace to them. And of course. It was circulated at the time by by us, and uh, there was there was no positives on. There was sightings here and there all over the country, and everything was checked out to the to the bitter end. But alas, nothing happened. No, no, no within the, nothing. Not even the car. The car was a mystery. You see, even to the present day, I don't know what state investigation is at the moment. I presume the file is still live. But I mean, if the, the car would be the link, you know. Mm. No sign of it. Because sometimes when a person is missing and they can be missing for quite some time, the car will turn up somewhere. Well, well, indeed, you see, 14 months uh, previously, a, a man went missing from, from my uh, Mr. Uh, William Fennessy, and and uh, there was no trace of him whatsoever until I think it was 2013, just across the, the from the Grand Hotel there in Fermi in the river. The, the, 
there was a, there was a, a, a piece of a car found and it was investigated and it turned out it was William Finnessy. Mm. So, do you know what I mean? In the space of time between when the Dwyers last were in contact with their rel- relatives and the time that the investigation started, it was reported to you, there was that couple of weeks like they could they could have gone anywhere I suppose in that couple of weeks but you would have investigated that too oh absolutely I mean I mean but where did it go their passports were at home right I mean at that time I'm not too sure now whether one required a passport to travel to to say across the water I don't know nowadays you would anyway but I don't know at the time but all that was checked Hmm. all that was checked you know they were never seen at ports, airports? No, no, no. It was all checked. Interpol informed about this, etc. And, and I believe, I know, I wasn't involved in, in it. There was supposed to be a site in, in Germany. I wasn't involved in that part of it because I wasn't, mm. uh, I was I was back in the city in 90, I think it was 90, 93, 94. And it was checked out by the, by the police in Germany. And uh, no, still no good. But it was a strange, strange case. And like you said, the, the house was searched, passports well, found, yeah. no money. For, was there even evidence of anyone packing a bag? No, absolutely not. Untouched. Everything I was as is. As well, it was, per, was perfect. You see, Connor was a very, he was a very neat man. He was a very dapper man, very neat. And so was his wife, uh, Sheila. Did you know them personally, Joe? Well, I knew Connor. I didn't know Sheila that person, but I knew Connor. I met him. I, uh, one teen times I met him. Hmm. He, he used to love he used to love showing off his uh, well they weren't his car his his employers uh, Rolls Royce and there was a there was a Daimler as well lovely cars you know yeah he was employed wasn't it by a German man he used to look after the cars for him isn't that right that's right and a business a German businessman he lived in Castle Lines there he was employed by him as a chauffeur hmm. and, and Connor used to pull up his pull up the car in front of the Garda station we'd be out looking at the Rolls Royce remember it well. But he was very man, and he was a very. They were a very devoted couple. He he, he was he he was he loved his wife. Obviously, you know, he'd he'd open the door of the car for her and let her in. You know, they had two sons, and then he obviously contacted the sons. Yeah. They hadn't heard from them either. Yes, I I spoke to both sons, and they were flabbergasted, obviously too. Where were they at the time? Well, one was in England, and the other was uh, if memory serves me right, I think he was above in County Galway. Hmm. And when was the last time either of them had heard from their parents? Well, you see, I, 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 they hadn't heard in, in a while either, you see, you know, they hadn't, hadn't been in contact, you know, to, but they were surprised to hear about this, you know. Hmm. Now, they're obviously still alive, those two sons, I hope they are, two lads, and they're, they're still wondering about, you know. Yeah. It was a complete mystery. Move forward to a time when the Crime Line programme did a reconstruction, a very painstaking reconstruction. You were involved in that. I was indeed, yeah. With with poor Marion Fanukan, Mary, may she rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went up to Dublin. There was a, there was a fabulous reconstruction. You know, they came down from Dublin and with all the crew, and um, did reconstruction. We got uh, a, a Rolls Royce. We got I I uh, got a Toyota Crusida. And put number plates on it, <clears throat> five seven nine seven is T. Parked that above at the house, um, a, a model. It's where it was. Connor drove the car up and down the street and parked it in the square in mine. And uh, it was a, a female model as well. To rattle people's brains. No, no, no good. Hmm. 
and, and, and the countrywide, that time the, the, the crime line was new, it was, it was relatively new to, on the scene, you know, but, as, uh, but there was no, no, no sightings, no. Mm. And when crime line does those big reconstructions, there's nearly always some call or other will come in. There was nothing. Nothing, absolutely. Nothing, no, nothing that, had, uh, that, that would lead us in, in any direction, you know. Mm. Did you have any theories yourself, Joe, at any time? No, I, did, I didn't, uh, PJ, you know, because, I mean, as I said there a few minutes ago, <clears throat> where do you start? Where does one start as, as, as a missing person? You see, a person is entitled to go missing. Hmm. You know, I mean, if I wanted to go missing in the morning, I could go missing. Like, I didn't want anyone to know where I was. It's not a crime, like. But, um, so, I mean, where does one start? As, as, as I said, it'd be different if, if, if somebody said, well, they're, they're, they're gone missing and, and they suspect there was something happened to them or there was foul play. It's a different story altogether then. Mm. But apart from that, people are entitled to go missing. You know? Like you say, it remains open. To, to this day I presume yeah I, I presume well I'm retired now 18 years so I presume it's still open it has to be open sure I mean it hasn't mm. been recovered what I do recall was around the time of the reconstruction and there was a documentary made as well that locals were very reticent to talk about it, it there was almost a quietness about it well well, you see you know, I, I, I read that I, I, not, not, not to the members of the Garda at the time, but I, I read that on, on, on some paper that there was that um, locals were, were inclined to talk about it. I can't understand what gave rise to that, hmm. even to this day. But as, a, as regards uh, members of the Garda at the time, myself included, anyone we asked about it were most interested, most interested in, in, in this, you know. But of course, time has passed now, you see, and an awful lot of people. In, in, in the family, the, my own age now wouldn't remember them, but the novel people wouldn't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. And there's the problem, you see. 30 years on, as we mark 30, 30 years to the day, it remains as much of a mystery as the day you took the report. Absolutely. It's in a mystery. Hmm. But it's something, I don't know, I often wonder, you know, I often said to myself, wouldn't it be great if, if there were something found, you know? Hmm. No, there would be. Connor would be 92 now. Yes. And and Sheila would have been 90. You know, they'd be very elderly. I hope, I hope you know, I, I hope they're still alive, but, you know, I mean, hmm. I don't know. I just don't know, know. In the intervening time between the 1st of May when the last phone call was made and the 22nd of May when it was reported to the Gardaí, I suppose there is a possibility that they headed off in the car over to the UK. But then again, that was investigated. Absolutely, it was a court. Yeah, they could have. They could have, you see. And at the time, was there any check? You know, with passports? I don't know, at the time. No, you wouldn't have needed a passport to get to the UK at the time, but you'd needed a passport to go beyond it. Oh, you would, you would, yeah. But, I mean... They took no passports. If, exactly. And if, if they took a car would, would at the time, you know I mean? Those things were all checked. Yeah, yeah. And 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 people and people have, you know at that era they still they still talk about it because I, mean, I can recall being on holidays in different parts of the country. You know you get talking to people on holidays where are you from from I oh that couple Harry signed them. You know what I mean I remember I was up in Donegal one time and so and some I said it was from from I. Well, 
that couple from Fermoyd are missing, still missing. He didn't know he was talking to the man that knew all about it. And the sightings that you mentioned, like where did they come from? Were they all over Ireland? Uh, they need to come on. There was there was some people some people rang in and said they saw them in Lourdes. They saw them in, in Lourdes Airport. They were seen up in, in Dublin. They were seen, as I said, somebody saw them out in, in, in Munich. Sightings, different sightings there. They were seen in Cork City. No, not they are. And what would have been the procedure if someone contacted the Guardian and said, I think I've seen them? Like, what would, what would have been done? Well, first of all, you'd have to visit those people. You'd have to speak to those people who phoned in. You know, you'd have to meet them. And, and then you'd say, look at... Uh, can you describe them? You know, I mean, you're, you're kind of it's an inquisition then to the people to phone in. Can you describe them? And because you wouldn't be showing them, them, them a photograph straight. I even thought I saw photographs in the paper. But sometimes they say, oh, no, 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 that's not them at all now. I was mistaken. And, and, and that some of that happened. And was there ever a time, Joe, when you were hopeful of a sighting that you thought this might be it? Oh, sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You get, you get a phone call and say, look, I'm 100% sure it said I've seen them and you go visit them and, and that'd, be, that'd be checked out completely. And, you know, and you'd, you would, your hopes would be built up, you know. Only to be, only to be dashed again. Absolutely, yes. Well, that happened only times, yeah. yeah. It must be terrible to be in the position of their sons or anyone else that knew them at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, this is it to see the family, you know. I mean, there's no closure for them, is there? Joe, thank you for being with us. No problem, PJ. Bye-bye. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairymaid Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. And just before the break, there the thoughts of Joe Watkins, who was a sergeant in Fromoy Garda Station at the time that the wires went missing. Seen for the last time, 30 years ago, this very day, April 30th, 1991, seen by a local girl, Catherine Fenton, who saluted them as they passed in the street, and not another human being has seen them since. Uh, I mentioned Ralph Regal, Southern Correspondent of the Irish Independent. Ralph, as well as writing a lot of stuff this month, you also live in the area, so you have a unique on-the-ground take on this. It is baffling, to say the least, isn't it? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. And very much, I mean, you know, you've covered the story yourself over the years, PJ, and it, it's very much like Joe said. I think everyone in the area would love closure for the family. And I think it's kind of evolved to the stage where nothing has happened for 30 years and the anniversaries and the coverage. I think local people are concerned that it might be painful for the family. But yet at the same time, from the Garda point of view, that file is open and people are hoping against hope that something somewhere might shake free that would finally unlock this mystery. Um, You know, as Joe said, they never got the break that they needed. It was as if this couple stepped off the face of the earth. Uh, Normally with investigations, the guards have leads. They have something specific to work with. Um, From the very beginning, I think everyone understood that locating the Toyota Cressida car was going to be critical. Not only did they not find the car, they never found any trace of it. There was never 
any trace of parts that might have been sold on or anything like that at all. So really, they were left in a vacuum. They didn't have a starting point to work from. And that was always the problem with this case. As Joe explained there, it was the kind of way people communicated in the time. Do you know, Sheila spoke to her sister on the 1st of May. So clearly, they, they were around then. Nothing unusual about the phone call. But her sister hadn't heard from her. So three weeks later, yeah. the bones of three weeks later, she goes to the Garda station. In that yeah. three weeks, God alone knows what could have happened. Yeah, I mean, it was a critical delay, perfectly understandable at the time, but it was a delay from the investigative point of view. And it certainly didn't help Gardy. And we must remember as well that this is back in an era when you, you didn't have the level of, you know, dash cams, Every store has CCTV footage. I mean, the footage that's available at ports, airports, toll booths, it it allow, it's a huge asset for the emergency services and for the Guardi in tracing the movements, tracing vehicles. Um, and that investigative tool really wasn't available to the Guardi back in 1991. So while there had been sightings, supposed sightings, of uh, Connor and Sheila Dwyer. I think there was one in France, there was one in Germany, I think there was one in the UK as well. Every one of them were investigated and what turned out was that it was believed the people contacted the authorities uh, well-intentioned, but that they weren't actually yeah. the individuals involved. Because as Joe said, and the fact is they left their passports after them in the house, you, you would have gotten to the UK without a passport, but you wouldn't gotten beyond. No, you certainly wouldn't have, not at, not at that time. And also the fact none of the clothing was missing, uh, the money was inside in the house. I think a very important point to note, none of the bank accounts were accessed after that date, which uh, there doesn't appear to have been any movement of cash in preparation for um, a couple that might want to disappear or go somewhere or go on an extended trip. And I think what also baffled the guardies, there didn't seem to be any motive. I mean, this was just an ordinary couple. Uh, They had gone to Mass, they lived in Chapel Hill, they'd gone to a Requiem Mass that morning, and it was as if they stepped off the face of the earth. There wasn't any explanation for why they would have disappeared. And I think that's what also hamstrung the investigation, in that the Gardaí didn't have anything specific to focus on. Mm. They looked at all the different elements of the residency, the employment, whatever, and didn't come up with anything. Like I think the last thing we can be certain of is that they were probably at home on the 1st of May if Sheila rang Maisie. But we know now that there's nothing unusual about that call, routine chat between two sisters. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, again, it's one of those things that at at the time that's quite common. I mean, we have mobile phones today and we expect to be in kind of almost daily, sometimes multiple times a day, you're in contact with different people or whatever. It wasn't really like that back then. You'd see someone, you might ring them every couple of days. But it was just that little bit of a delay in terms of the guards getting involved in the case and tracing. And we all know over the space of time, your memory tend you tend to forget things. Some things stand out if they're extraordinary, but ordinary things tend to get lost in the clutter, and that's what the concern was with this. Mm. The, uh, why, uh, the Toyota, Toyota Cressida, it was a good car to have. It was a it was a prestigious family oh, car was. to have at the time. It yeah, was, it was white. Line Toyota, yeah. It was white, which meant it stood out, yeah. and. A registration registration number, like Joe said, it's engraved on his brain. I remember yeah. my late dad, who, who knew Joe Watkins well and was very interested in this case himself personally, could remember that 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 registration number. Yeah, and not a trace of the car. No, and again, Joe referenced to, to 
underlined the importance of the car in the investigation. I mean, the Gardaí always felt that if they could find the car or what happened to the car, it would go a long way towards leading them, towards unravelling the mystery. And they also felt the same in terms of William Fennessy, who was the other man who vanished in Formoy. And again, one of the elements of this case was that you had three people who vanished from a very tight-knit community within such a short space of time. And Joy, listen back to a a documentary, um, an RT Doc on One piece from a number of years ago, which mentioned also Mr. Fennessy, and indeed Joe did there. Is there any notion of a connection? No, I don't think there was, PJ. I think that was the one thing that the Gardaí were fairly clear on. There didn't appear to be any connections between the two cases. And of course, in the case of Mr. Fennessy, again, the car proved crucial because divers were exercising in the River Blackwater and there had been very heavy flooding as there us- or very heavy storms and whatever as there usually is over the winter time and the riverbed had slightly shifted and one of the ga- one of the divers spotted what they thought was a car and when they went down further examination they realized it was a Daihatsu charade which was exactly the car that Mr. Fennessy was last seen using and thankfully they were able to explore it they were able to, to, to identify some remains and the family did get closure in mm. that particular case. There's probably, as we know now, they'd be in their 90s. There's probably not, there's hardly a chance in hell, Ralph, that they're living somewhere under a new identity and just decided to vanish. Um, I don't, you can't rule it out, TJ, but I have to say it's very, very unlikely. I mean, they would both be in their early to mid 90s yes, at this stage. that's what I mean. Yeah, so I would think that that's almost unlikely to be the case. But I think everyone would like, as in the Fennessy case, I think people locally would like closure for yeah. the family because I don't think anyone underestimates just how difficult it has been um, for those two lads. Oh, it must have been so hard. I mean, their sons years. would be what? They'd be in their 50s or 60s now, would they? They would be, yeah. And it's yeah. the not knowing yeah. is a terrible thing. So I think everyone locally would love to see even though it might be heartbreaking news in some ways, at least they would know. They would. But unfortunately, after 30 years, there hasn't been a breakthrough. Okay. And the longer the time goes on, the more difficult that is, is going to be to achieve. All right, Ralph, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Ralph Regal writing a lot of good stuff for the Irish Independent at the moment about Connor and Sheila O'Dwyer. A great mystery of our time. It's up there. It is up there with who killed Sophie Tosca du Plantier. It really is. The Little Island Community Association has just issued a statement uh, confirming that on board Planola has refused permission to country clean for developing a 95,000 tonne waste transfer and recycling facility. They're welcoming that as a monumental day for everybody in Little Island. Some people not too happy, though, with the news of the past 24 hours are pregnant women and and their partners. And we've spoken many times over the last few months with Linda Kelly about the restrictions on partners being allowed to visit maternity hospitals and be able to accompany their pregnant partners to maternity services like scans and all of that. And there doesn't seem to be any relief in the last 24 hours on those restrictions, Linda, are there? Good morning. Hi PJ, how are you? No, unfortunately there hasn't been a bit of a PR exercise by the HSE in the last few days and very confusing all round for pregnant women and their families. And so what happened was last week the HSE was very clear that, uh, you know, all hospitals should be reviewing the restrictions they have in place because the situation has changed now dramatically. Can you get closer to your phone, Linda, please? We have, yes, uh, you know, all of our healthcare staff are now vaccinated and community transmission is low. 
So the head of the National Women and Infants Programme said every hospital now needs to review their restrictions, but was also very clear, and the Minister for Health followed up, that every hospital would be allowed still decide their own policy. And that was how it went for the last 10 days. And obviously, women were very upset about this because it really depends on where you live. And CUMH, as people who are attending will know, have had one of the most restrictive policies in the country um, for the past year. And they came out and said they're piloting an app for visiting, um, but it's not operational for every ward yet. And then on Wednesday, news broke that government were actually going to lift the restrictions. They were going to make an announcement there was going to be a uniform strategy. And then yesterday, nothing. Yeah. The Taoiseach didn't mention it once in his speech. Now, now there will be a document, obviously, published on the government website with, with everything in more detail, but so far, no sign of anything in there either. No, the HSE briefing yesterday said we'll endeavour that partners can get to the 20-week scan, which is the advice they gave everyone before Christmas. And they're now basically just saying we will actually make the maternity hospitals do it, Mm. which is welcome for people in Wexford and other places who haven't been allowed um, to those scans. Um, They haven't, they've said partners are allowed at labour, that's currently the case, but labour is defined as when you're at four centimetres, yeah. uh, which is arbitrary because anyone who's been pregnant knows, or yeah. anyone who supported a, a pregnant yeah. woman knows, from the first twinge you're in labour. It's not something, it's not something you can put on the clock. It's not something you can put on it. Plus the fact, I think what's getting to you most is not only that, but all the staff are now vaccinated. And from here on in, all of the women themselves who want to be will also be vaccinated. Absolutely. And again, this is part of the problem with the HSC at the moment is the Minister for Health announced early in the week that vaccines would be available for any pregnant woman who wanted to avail of it. No one can find any information as to where they're going to get it. So women have been ringing their GPs, they've been ringing their maternity hospitals and everybody is saying, we don't know. And so, you know, really what we'd love is to stop seeing empty announcements like this and to really put in place a solid plan of action. Like, we have seen our society transform over the last year to take account of COVID, to put in place things we never imagined we would have in place, you know, from masks to hand sanitising to, you know, getting your pints from a window or your lunch from a cart. And yet we can't figure out a way to support people welcoming yeah. a baby into the world. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely bothering, bother, bothersome for people, I, I can imagine. Linda, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. Do stay in touch with us. Our listeners are very interested in where it goes. And if there's any change coming on the horizon, any positive change, do get in touch with us. Thank you, Linda. Let us go quickly to uh, CBS, Eamon Reish. CBS, Clarkson, Eamon Reish, and the principal there, Aaron Wolf. Some very good news this week for you guys, Aaron. A, a whole new set of rooms and labs and special needs places. Good morning. Hi, how are you, PJ? Oh, it is fantastic news. I mean, the p- department are willing to invest in excess of five million into the school to improve the facilities and the uh, number of classrooms. It's absolutely outstanding. What and are we you are getting? Over the moon. Oh, geez, we're getting a second home economics room, construction second construction studies room, technographic room, DCG rooms, two science labs, um, SEN suites, social areas. Like it will double the size of the school. It is double the size. Wow, absolutely. Yeah. And will and it increase great. the number of ASD places that you have? 
No, I, I mean, we run the maximum number of AFD places anyway. You can only run four AFD special classes, and we're at that. I think we're the, the only ones anyway in Cork that run four AFD special classes. That's 24 places are offered, and you're not allowed to yeah. offer any more than that. So what will you be able to put into these new suites? Oh, the new suites, I mean, that's what we've, we've talked to you on air before. I mean, to deliver appropriate SD care, you need to have the right facilities. So uh, the SEN suites will be four classrooms, meeting areas, social spaces, recreational areas, uh, sensory rooms, and what's called safe spaces then, a little smaller area that the student can go and feel safe in. It, it's incredible. I mean, the department's um, willingness and their vision to invest in us is just incredible. And so, are, so what time scale are we talking about, Aaron? Well, the design team gets appointed immediately. Um, we'll have prefabs arriving for September because our numbers require it. And look, I'd be hoping maybe maybe by in six months we might be turning the sod. Do you know? You never know. But mm. um, it, there's a huge tendering process that goes ahead now and mm. um, busy time ahead for great, us. Well, great, great, great news coming from one of Cork's oldest schools, Cloister Eamon Reach, Five million, virtually doubling the size of the school and all sorts of facilities, including some greatly enhanced special educational needs facilities. Thank you, Aaron Wolf, Principal. Very quickly before I go to the break, we've spoken more than once on this programme over the course of the pandemic to someone called Dr. Catherine Motherway. Uh, she's based in, in Limerick, but she's been really impressive with us any time she was on, particularly in the early stages of the, of the pandemic when people were really frightened about what's going on around them. And delighted for her because she was named as the Limerick Person of the Year for 2020 at a virtual awards event uh, last night. And she was an exceptional contributor to this programme anytime she was with us. And we'd send out our congratulations to her. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Just seeing there from the north. <laughs> There's now a two-hour queue to get into Penny's or Primark in Belfast. And they're quite happy to queue. And they're keeping their distance. Two hours to get in pennies, lads. Pennies! Primark. Pennies. I wonder, actually, and Terry would know this, do they have a, a kind of a Belfast expression for pennies on? Do they? I don't know. Pennies gone. Oh, Primark, girl! I can't say it in a Belfast accent, but you know yourself, I don't have one. Um, okay, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. There are holdups uh, on Photo Road in and out of the Cove Roadworks. Fifteen minutes on Photo Road out of Cove, only halfway out of there. Thanks for that. Uh, on the missing couple in Fomoy, did the Gaddy check all the local rivers? If they didn't find Mr. Fennessy until 2013, then that's where they could be, says Craig, the trucker. They did. They tried everything. They searched everything. And there were guards, still retired guards from that time, people like Joe Watkins and people like someone else whose name I won't share that called us there just while they were listening. And they won't sleep a night sometimes. They, they will not rest until they find out what happened because it baffled the guards. 
people can slag the guards off all they want and they do and sometimes missing people stay missing for years but if you get a couple of wily old cops on a search it's very hard to get anything past them do you know what I mean 1850 715 996 could um, anybody yeah we are wanting to know what's happening with um, caravan parks holiday homes because was it Charlie I was talking to last week was last week wasn't it yeah last week Charlie has a caravan down or a mobile home down in Garrettstown and Charlie is in the unusual situation at the moment that since the 5k was lifted Charlie can go down and visit his van and he can sit out on his deck in the afternoon and read his book and do all those things he can maybe even barbecue I don't know but he can't stay in his van and yet there he was looking down onto the beach in Garrettstown, the warm weekend, the weekend before last, wasn't it? And there he's looking down people in their droves in camper vans on the beach. And he's kind of saying, what's going on here? Is there anything in this package announced last evening for people who want to go to their mobile home in Onahinsha or Garrettstown or Yall or anywhere? over the next couple of weeks. Taoiseach was interviewed this morning on Morning Ireland and that question did come up. Travel uh, from the 10th of May, that means, does it, that people can travel to their holiday homes, to the caravan parks, um, but it's ahead of the opening of hotels and B&Bs? Yes, it does indeed. And, then, and again, that was on advice uh, from public health as well. So, yes, they can. So Charlie can go to his, stay in his caravan or his mobile home in Garrettstown from the 10th of June, I'm sure he'll be... De- or 10th of May. God, 10th of May. I'm sure he'll be delighted with that. 1850-715-996. Now, the, the old weather doesn't look like it'll be barbecue weather for the weekend. Uh, or more than... Which is most unfortunate. But you never know, because we get so used to it now at this stage that the slightest splink of sunshine on a Saturday, and we're out, and the coals are on, or the gas is on, and the grill is on, and we, we have the bit of meat, and... We, we we do the do the best I best we can, um, but cooking on a barbecue is a whole culture. It's a culture that I don't think it, we knew a whole pile about in Ireland, even ten years ago. But we, it's become such an important staple of our summer now. And seeing as we're doing all our socialising outdoors, it's going to be a big summer for the barbecue if we get the weather. John Relihan is uh, formerly of. Holy smoke, and uh, considered to be one of the top men in the whole BBQ cooking business. John, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you doing? Thank good. you for having me. Delighted. I wanted to chat with you on a couple of things, a couple of specialties of your own, but I guess as someone myself who loves to barbecue, and yeah. a few years ago made the decision to change from gas to charcoal and would yeah. never go back. Can I start that argument with you? Gas versus charcoal. Well, I'll tell you my my take on it, and I've been cooking on fire for a very long time now, and I absolutely love it. For me, um, if people have a gas barbecue um, and they don't have any room to have an outdoor charcoal place, that's absolutely fine. However, when you're cooking on charcoal, it adds a a bigger dimension of cooking. It adds the flame, it adds the live fire, it adds the comfort, the warmth, the security. The, the, the flame takes you into another dimension when you're cooking. The flavor also that it gives is completely different. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you use really amazing charcoal, when you use good charcoal, um, I, I use an amazing charcoal at the moment, and it's called EcoFuel, and they do amazing stuff that's organic. 
the flavor that comes off of that charcoal is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and when you're slow cooking, you can really manage it and work on the details of the meat as well, which takes a, a lot of practice. It takes a bit of practice and having yeah. a bit of fun with it. Yeah, you can pretty get a lot of pretty decent barbecues with a nice charcoal space. Anyway, you get about a square meter to cook on charcoal, which for most of us are is plenty. You say good plenty. good charcoal versus yeah. bad charcoal. Yeah, um, a, a lot of charcoal would have a lot of different fumes, and what I don't re- recommend anybody to be using um, is any lighter fluids and all of this because it's really dangerous. But if you use a really good sustainable organic wood charcoal uh, like there's different types of charcoal that you can get like birch alder oak they're all different heat levels um once you kind of look into it a little bit more it's a lot of fun to start playing with different types of charcoal different types of wood um for example i was cooking uh, a side of beef there uh, recently and i was using cherry wood or i would use oak wood for my pork or, or sweet chestnut wood for a chicken, you know, just kind of experiment and playing around with different types of woods and different types of flavor uh, as well. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned not using the, the lighter fuel. Yeah. With the amount of wind we get, it can be hard to get them started without something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, what, what you can do is a lot of big, massive hardware stores that sell barbecue charcoal equipment, you can go in and you can get a, a chimney starter. I've seen they these. like between... Yeah, they're, they're so simple. They cost between five, maybe to 15 euro. You can buy them online. You can buy them in those shops. And um, what you do is you put in like a, a little lighter on the bottom. You put your charcoal on top. It blocks the wind. You light from the bottom and the oxygen from underneath will lift it right up to the charcoal and the oxygen will make it start on fire in about five to 10 minutes. And your grill will be ready in about 15 minutes to yeah. cook a steak. It's like a bucket. It is, it is, with a hole underneath and it holds all the charcoal and everything in there. It's amazing, it's easy, it's Yeah, it's I've great. seen the, and the, the theory is that the heat draws in the oxygen at the base. That's correct, yeah. So gotcha. The, the, the oxygen underneath, because without oxygen, no fire. Yes. And underneath, underneath that, then the wind pulls it up like a, a chimney and it just catches on fire within five minutes. I, mm. I put it on my YouTube channel of using one and it, it, yeah, it happens very quickly. <laughs> yeah, less than five minutes. Yeah, and you're a heating. Yeah. You're ready for, as they say, ready for meat in how long? Fifteen, twenty. Do you, um, do you have to wait for them all to be grey? Um, you you should you should always wait for the charcoal to, to go nice and white because then you know it's nice and hot. Um, I I know like a, what, what a lot of people would be doing is putting too much charcoal into the barbecue as well. Well, okay. what I do if you look if you look at the around barbecue, I would do about sixty percent nice and hot and there will be a six inch gap between the charcoal and the grill so that means the meat is not going to burn straight away so that's 60 percent and then you would have about 40 percent 20 percent low heat a little bit less charcoal and 20 percent with no charcoal when you grill off a steak you will put it onto the 60 percent you would move it around and you will put it onto the lower side oh so don't cover the whole bottom no absolutely not You, you you need to manage the fire that, ah. that comes with a little bit of practice. So then you wouldn't be burning the outside of the steak if it's too hot and the flame's coming up. Just pick it up nice and easy, you know. Just yeah. move it to the side and pop it to so, the side. So when you, when you put it out, when you take it out of the, the, the flame starter, say, yeah. then use yeah. a safe implement to push it maybe to one side or one area, keep that's, that for you very hot. Exactly. And the heat... 
that's it, and that's it. I, yeah. Because I'm I'm guilty of that. I'll put a steak on, yeah. and before you know it, the steak is like is like is like an odor eater and raw inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So you you just manage the fire, and you don't want it too hot, and you don't cook on flames. You just need nice white charcoal, nice and relaxed. When you cook when you cook the meat, you just need to give it lots of love and attention. Um, and if you see some of my videos on what I do, I, I would be there for about an hour and a half cooking a two kilo piece of meat. Wow. And I would be basting it with a hairbrush, which is a wooden spoon with rosemary and thyme, yeah. tied up with a butchery string, dipped in a little bit of butter. And okay. as it's turning, I'm turning the steak, I'm brushing the outside of that steak yeah. just to get that butter on there to soften it and make it more juicy. So the steak or the pork chop, because I love pork chops off a of barbecue. Oh. Like, do yeah. So do you put them then on the side that's low heat to start? Is that what you do? Um, uh, on the high heat to start. So you want to kind of sear it all off really okay. nicely and you can turn. And that old myth where they say, put on the steak, don't turn it. Uh, leave it, cook on one side, and then turn it. That that that's not right at oh, all. Oh, like timber on one side, then. Yeah, yeah. You you can turn, you can baste it. It works all the fat. You can brush on the little bit of butter, but be careful of the flame. Yeah. And okay. You, you just get it. You know, you you really develop the meat and the sweetness and the caramelization of that meat on the outside, and that's, that's so the get the part. outside done first on the flame, and then shift yeah. it to the other side of the grill. And let it yeah. cook away in the heat. And and let it cook away nice and slowly while turning it. And it's still really hot on that side of the grill as oh, well. Yeah. Um, but you can really manage it a little bit better and you can control it. And, it, you know, once the flames comes up, it looks cool. You can just move it to the side and you're completely in control. And it takes a little bit of time, but yeah. it's, it's the best way to do it. Absolutely. What's the difference between barbecue cooking and fire cooking, John? Well, barbecue cooking and fire cooking, for myself... Fire cooking is something that even Irish people used to do up until, I'd say, the 80s, like in, in the old houses and stuff. Um, and recently I've done a St. Patrick's Day video um, on the Jamie Oliver channel, which was a bacon and cabbage cooked on fire uh, in the old cast iron pots. Um, fire cooking would be grilling steak, or in South America you would be cooking a, a lamb asado, which is a whole lamb kind of on a cross over the fire. Barbecue is more low and slow, so when you get a large pork shoulder or you get a brisket and you put it into a smoker and you slow cook it for 12 to 30 hours in some cases. Um, I've done a, a beef clod there recently with some great friends and they slow cooked it for up to 30 hours. And that, that's barbecue. And then fire cooking is when you cook it directly over the fire. Right. 30 yeah. hours on a barbecue. <laughs> 30 hours in a smoker. Uh, the, 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 all, all you need to have is a little spoon to eat the meat with because it just falls apart. Um, it is so so good. Um, it depends on the size of the meat. So a beef clod would have been something that people used to use before brisket. And you would put it into the smoker and you would use lots of amazing woods. Uh, and a few guys down in Wexford uh, called Smoke and Soul were teaching me all of this. So I'm learning every day with fire, even though... I love cooking on fire every single day. Mm. I'm still learning the ways of fire cooking. And all around the world, uh, people cook on fire many different methods from North America, South America, to Asia, to India, to the Middle East and everything. It's it's just a wonderful experience and it, it takes you really out of your zone and kind of, it's it's my yoga basically. Oh, I like that idea. Now, we've <laughs> talked about the steak and the pork, but we're always conscious as well of, of chicken because chicken chicken will turn you inside out if it's not cooked properly. Yeah, 
So again, you don't want to cremate it, but you want to cook it properly. No. Well, I tell you, my favourite recipe, um, and I do have it on the YouTube as well, and what it is, it's a beer can chicken. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, and for for me, on a barbecue outside, number one, it tastes amazing. Number two, the chicken is juicy and flavourful. And number three, it looks amazing as well when you're cooking it. Um, with the chicken, you can rub it up. I love using a Frenchie's mustard on the outside because it causes that caramelization because it's a sweet mustard rather than a spicy one. And if you don't like mustard, you don't have to put it on. But put a nice little barbecue rub on there. You, can, you know, if you have all the spices in your house, be creative, have a little bit of fun, rub it onto the chicken, mm. pop it onto the little stand. And again, you can buy them in the online or you can buy them in the hardware shops and the barbecue shops and everything. Open up a can, pour out half the beer, and put that can inside the chicken and then pop that whole chicken onto the stand and onto the barbecue and let it cook for over an hour and a half, nice and slowly. Mm. And the thing will fall off the bone. It is juicy. It is flavorful. You will taste. And if you use a nice citrus beer, a nice Irish citrus beer is amazing flavor. That's what I was doing recently as well. Nice. Um, and, and the other half of the beer that's in the glass, you can just drink that. Understood. And yes. Have it, wouldn't have, waste have that. It wouldn't waste that now, would we, John? <laughs> Not, nothing goes to waste. Yeah. <laughs> that that beer chicken, like as you said, that that beer chicken. You, yeah. my, my fear of it would be that uh, yeah. it that the, the the heat would 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 go down before it was cooked, or that it would end up cremated no. on the outside and raw on the inside. No, absolutely not. Um, it's it's all about like you know when I was saying about the grill there, sixty percent nice and hot and twenty percent a bit lower. What you would be doing there is you would be putting the chicken stand over the twenty percent that has low heat. The heat is coming from the left, so it's nowhere close to the the fire. Um, and then you just put the lid on top uh, of the barbecue and you let it slow cook in there, uh, and the heat will circulate in there. And if your fire uh, slows down and it goes a bit colder you can just turn a handful of the charcoal, an extra handful of the charcoal to the side, and that will catch on fire and it'll keep the heat going as well. Um, also, you can open up the damper underneath the barbecue. Right. And that will bring in a little bit of oxygen, which will up the temperature a little bit. Right. Um, and, and that will keep it cooking. But you leave it in there, and, you know, look, as, as a safe precaution with chicken, you can always get a little temperature probe, um, and you can stick it into the breast. Um and and just make sure it's it's fully cooked, well mm. above seventy five degrees for the chicken. I'm very um, tempted to be... try one of these. I really am. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. With a good citrus beer, a nice barbecue rub on top of it, and let it slow cook with some good charcoal, and that's it. Let the day go by, and yeah, do do some meditation. That's it. <laughs> Watch the barbecue. There's food from around the world as well that thankfully we can now get here and ways of yeah. cooking that come in from around the world you wanted to talk to me a little about something that they do in Pakistan well, that we can do here yeah look what I've been working on very recently is a project for myself and what I would love to do in the future is turn this into a whole documentary show and for me it's very close to my heart um, I used to work in London um, in one of the biggest barbecue meat restaurants. And most importantly, my staff that I used to work with there were from all around the world. So any given day, I would have 16 different nationalities in that restaurant working with me. And I guess my culture is living with other cultures because I've traveled an awful lot. And what I've taken it upon myself for the past, um, past year um, and, and throughout my life is 
looking at the different cultures, communities that live in the UK and live in Ireland, uh, since I'm in, in Dublin now, I'm looking at Dublin and meeting. And in fact, I'm actually going in about an hour to meet a few Brazilians that live in Dublin. I met an amazing guy off of YouTube from Pakistan that lives in Dublin. And I asked him, let's go eat some food. I want to learn more about the country, Pakistan. I want to learn more about the food. I want to learn more about the culture, more about the community. And I want to educate myself on it. And we met up and we went for a drive and we went to some amazing restaurants, even though they were all taken when we were eating on the street. <laughs> and it was fabulous. It was absolutely amazing. I was introduced to the world of fire cooking in Pakistan that's in Dublin of some amazing restaurants some amazing chefs that really showcased their skill um, and the hospitality that they gave me was phenomenal um, mm. and the food that I ate was even more phenomenal and it's something that I'm working on now to highlight different cultures that live in Ireland I think the world needs a lot more of this oh yeah I mean of, the, f- of the food from around the world that we can now get is just brilliant it's great yeah yeah and look if, if you do the research and you find the right places they do some incredible stuff and, and the food like that I had with himself was, you know, it was all halal meat. It was, it was, you know, he was introducing, he was educating me on this, and it was the meat was falling off the bone. Yeah. It was the beautiful lamb chops that were cooked over the fire. It was the oh my goodness, were, they were marinated for twenty four hours, and it would just fall off the bone. And oh look, I, I could talk all day about it, but <laughs> quick, <laughs> but quick was, question that just that just come in. Um, you know, you can get nowadays, you can get a kind of a pizza base. Or a pizza plate yeah. that sits on the top. Uh, yeah. Hints for for doing a pizza again without roasting the arse out of it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Lucky again, you can go into the nice hardware shops and you can buy those pizza bases, or you can order them online. Um, just making sure that the charcoal is not directly underneath it. So give it a good six to eight inches underneath the grill, uh, where you put that plate on top. You put the charcoal underneath, and you keep it nice and hot. Um, and you can put your pizza base on it and close that lid as well. Um, I'm probably going to be doing one of them actually very soon on, on my YouTube channel right. as well. I'm doing some amazing pizza. Where outside. can we find your YouTube, John? Um, it's called John Relihan. So it's it's John Relihan on Instagram and on YouTube. Okay. And I, be, I do fire cooking every day pretty much, and I'm doing lots of really cool stuff, meeting different cultures and having fun and cooking and sharing food and good stories. Yeah. No, in fairness, having been, and I mentioned this to listeners, we have been to India once or twice and having been to a few places out in the middle of nowhere eating food that I have no idea what it is when Amazing. it's given to me. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And they, a lot of it is cooked over flame and over coal because they've not necessarily yeah. cooked with it. It's, it's no, gorgeous. Absolutely. It's gorgeous. John, yeah, and, and yeah. thank you. Go ahead. Thank, thank you very much for being with us today. That's John Relihan. You'll find him on YouTube and on Instagram. Now, there's something I've learned right here, right now. And if you like your barbecue like I do, I've learned something. That when you put the charcoal into the barbecue, push it over to one side. So leave one side of the grill with the flame or with the coal directly under it. Let the other side, un- if you like, open and then you've two ways to cook. That's a lesson I've learned in the last 20 minutes. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream.
Prince William has been named the world's sexiest bald man. Um, the Rock has weighed in on this. Yeah. Uh, the Rock has weighed in, and he's he's not happy. He's not happy, and people were thinking, "Oh, The Rock is is obviously putting himself forward." Yeah. The Rock has tweeted this: "How in the cinnamon toast f does this happen when Larry David clearly has a pulse?" <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars, Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24/7 at nildc.com. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. A lot of people asking about the hotel restaurants. Uh, listeners asking, are the restaurants only for hotel guests or are they open for the general public? Now, that's the idea, listener. As we currently have it in front of us for June... You can eat in a hotel restaurant inside if you are a resident of that hotel. Otherwise, you'll be eating outside. Hotel residents only. Now, I see where Adrian Cummins from the Restaurants Association of Ireland, not happy. Uh, he's trying to get a polit- bit of political muscle going to allow the independent restaurants trade indoors as well as the hotel restaurants can trade indoors. Mr Cummins is missing a little bit of the science, unfortunately, but you can see why they're arguing. You can see why they're not happy. But the simple fact of the matter is people who are resident, residents in a hotel are far more traceable. They're far more traceable. And at the moment, we've got to be very careful that everyone goes inside a place is traceable. We'll see where that one goes. That'll probably flare up again after the weekend. Quick reminder to you, the Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon takes place this May from the 20th to the 22nd. We missed out last year. So good to be back at it this year. And we need your help. want you to host a virtual coffee break with your friends or family or your colleagues. Get on to uh, 96m.ie, grab a special virtual coffee pack and enjoy a good catch-up with your friends. And the bigger the catch-up and the bigger the virtual catch-up, the better. Like, if you can do a, a coffee morning on Zoom with 100 people on it, get us a picture of that screen because it'll be great. And it all goes towards our annual fundraiser for Cork's Cancer Services, the Giving for Living Radiothon, May 20th to 22nd, only on Cork's 96FM, 96FM.ie, to get your virtual coffee pack. Baldy Barber's a happy man this morning. I can now go back to work and restart my 55th year in the barbering business. Thanks for keeping us informed and do stay safe. Happy to do that, Mick, always. And then I felt safer going to a hairdresser, PJ, when they were open than I did doing my grocery shopping. 1850-715-996. Danielle says, the two-hour wait outside pennies, that'll be so worth it, she. And then she makes a very valid point. There are families out there that dress their whole family out of pennies. Uh, people have more than likely been struggling over the past 12 months trying to afford clothes prices in other stores and trying to deal with online ordering. So the wait is nearly over. And pennies, for some reason best known to themselves, pennies don't do any online business and they don't do any click and collect. I'm not sure if that's purely an Irish thing. I think that Primark do online overseas. But I know pennies don't do any online and don't do any click and collect. So they'll be back on the 17th of May. I must dig out, actually, uh, the tape 
from the 12th of June last year, the crack we had that morning when, when they opened up after the long lockdown. 1850-715-996. This will kind of be probably the last weekend or one of the last weekends uh, will be clung in around the telly uh, with very little else to do. Um, because, well, we can now go outside our 5K to all the four corners of our county and after the 10th, we can go to any other county we want and we can go to visit somebody who's fully vaccinated that we haven't seen in months so there'll be so much more to do and then we're able to go maybe in June we can go to a hotel and we can maybe go to a restaurant or a pub from the 7th of June and all those little plans we can make but we've the, 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 the television has sustained us for the last few months and here's one we've got a couple of things on worth mentioning this morning with Denise Curtin from Stellar Magazine including a thing called Shadow and Bone. Is it, is, is it as exotic and strange as it looks? Oh, it is. It is. It's trending on the number one spot at the moment and for good reason. It's, um, it's based off Lee Bardigo's worldwide best-selling novels and basically, without giving away too much now, the story follows a teenage orphan. She grows up in Russia-inspired land of Ravka where her entire life is changed unexpectedly, where she harnesses a power she never knew she had in order to save her best friend. So now I wouldn't usually be someone who's into sci-fi and fantasy, and I actually loved this. My arm was kind of twisted into watching it because it wouldn't usually be my cup of tea, but I absolutely loved it. And friends of mine who watched Game of Thrones and The Witcher, they said, although it's not exactly similar to those kind of styles, if you liked them, you'll absolutely love this. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind for everyone. It's fantasy kind of more than sci-fi in a way, yes. is it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't really have too much. You know, well, I suppose you have a bit of both, but there, it's definitely fantasy led. And it really just kind of takes you to a whole new realm. And it, like, it's the perfect switch off to have at the weekend definitely mm. and there's there's eight hour long episodes so I mean if the weather is going to be the way it says it will be it's yeah. the perfect perfect plenty, thing to plenty watch. to do there for the weekend now the bold type that looks that looks like one I'd enjoy myself yeah exactly you know what when I when I mentioned the bold type to you you know the way we love to half watch TV half be on our phones I think all of us are partial to doing that where guilty your phone. honor yeah yeah <laughs> you scroll on your phone You'd look up, you'd scroll back down at the phone. The bold type is great for that because you don't have to be totally concentrated in it to, to figure out what's going mm. on the whole time. Unlike the and flight attendant. Yeah, exactly. Blink and you'll miss something. It's horrible to say in a way, but it, it, it's totally easy to watch. And it's got a mixture of kind of sex in the city, Emily in Paris, the Devil Wears Prada, all wrapped up into mm. the one and... I personally love it because working at a magazine myself, it's funny to see how they're portrayed on TV. You know, it, it's almost like fantasy itself, <laughs> uh, mm. how different it is. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a great, easy watch. And coming back for a fifth season as well yeah. later this year. So definitely. They're doing something right. You mentioned Sex in the City. I, I, I think I'm probably the only man I know who's a massive Sex in the City fan. I loved every episode. <laughs> I really did. I loved it. I really did. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Okay. Then Selena, not familiar with this one. Yes, so Selena is a two-part series and the second part is dropping on Tuesday, May the 4th. So again, if you're looking for something to catch up on this weekend, it's the perfect time to do it before the next and final part drops. And it follows basically the story of the late artist Selena, her rise to fame, the sacrifices she and her family made along the way 
and it stars Christian Saratosa, people might know from The Walking Dead. And yeah, it's it's really it's really really good. I know they they did a film on Selena back in 1997, so this is kind of just like going back over her whole story and her legacy, and it's um, it's fantastic. Okay, okay, a lot of fun to be had then over the weekend if the weather goes against us. Uh, always good to catch up. Thank you, Denise Corton, digital editor of Stellar Magazine. Uh, yeah. Peter Hines says The Bold Type is a good show, has seen all four seasons. Can I also recommend something to you? Uh, you know me, I'm into my crime, big time. Picked up last night on the first couple of episodes of the new Law & Order. This is a breakout from SVU. SVU, like, is in its 22nd series. And it has been renewed, I think, for another two at least. And there's a breakout of... Organised crime. Christopher Maloney, finally, Elliot Stabler, they finally persuaded him to come back after he left a few years ago. Uh, They finally persuaded him to come back and he's in his own spin-off series, uh, Organised Crime. Law and Order, Organised Crime. And I cut the first couple of episodes last night and it is brilliant. He is magic anyway. There's a great cast there's a, it's typical Dick Wolf, it's typical Law and Order, it's really good on the SVU, and there's a tie-in between Organised Crime and Series 22 of SVU, where Livia Benson and Elliot Staber meet up again and rekindle their friendship, but there's a tension there. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, I caught the first couple of episodes of it last night, well worth, well worth a watch. I just spotted something there on Twitter. You'll remember, ah, it's a month or so ago now, or maybe... Longer, we were talking on this program about a thing called the Brazilian butt lift, which is a very controversial form of plastic surgery, uh, a dangerous form of plastic surgery. Just seeing there some tweets from a clinic in the UK, which has now decided it's no longer going to do them because they're too dangerous. That's interesting. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Sunday Times has a new edition to its uh, Sunday content this weekend. A new supplement, a 32-page supplement on home. Uh, Sustainable living and food and property and travel and all the things we like to do uh, with our homes in these strange times in which we live. And the uh, best-selling Irish author and journalist Ethna Shortall is the editor of the new supplement, Home. She joins me now. Ethna, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Hi. This will be a nice, beefy supplement with your Sunday paper. What's in it? Well, it's actually 36 pages because we had so much for the first week that we just ramped it up. So, yeah, it's grown already this week. Um, So everything home-related, property, uh, houses to buy, or if you're looking to sell, interiors, gardening, cooking, DIY... And then we have travel, we have some kind of general lifestyle features. Um, it, we're stuffing as much in as we can. I basically, I'm approaching it with three three aims. One, to cater for nosiness, because I love to snoop around other people's homes, <laughs> be that in real life or mm-hmm. through the pages of a paper or on something like Home of the Year. So we have, um, so for example, for the nosiness factor this week, we have an at-home piece with Susie McAdam, who was one of the judges on this year's Home of the Year. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so let's see what her house is like. So we're going into her house in um, South Dublin. And we're also uh, talking to the TV presenter, Maya Dunphy, about her house. We have a few other, you know, kind of well-known people 
Um, and then we are hoping it'll also be useful. So um, we have how to lay your own patio, how to grow flowers in shady areas, something that my own garden uh, really needs to know about because it's nothing but shade um, and things like that. And then the last sort of aim is that it'll be inspiring. So we're talking to people that turn to DIY during lockdown from being complete novices. We'll have travel pieces now that we know we can soon leave our counties. And we're also um, our big home of the year, or the big home of the week, sorry, mm. is actually a cork home that is spectacular, architecturally absolutely spectacular. So we've given that loads of space for pictures. It's a house that overlooks the um, the River Bandon, and oh, nice. yeah, so we're hoping, yeah, so hoping people yeah. will get a bit of inspiration. Yeah. So yeah, the, the the nosy thing I laughed at there because we we do have this fascination, don't we, for for snooping around totally. older people. Go, I tell my, I tell you, she'd kill me for saying this now. But anyway, when we go out for a walk, the Queen Bee, like I nearly have to drag her away, but she looks very di- very discreetly in someone's window to see what's in the kitchen, to see what's in the front room, to see what's in there, and she gets ideas from us. I'm sure there's thousands of us like that. Uh, I, but I always think it's a gift to the people that don't close their curtains at night. You know, people that have the lights on. I'm like, thank you for this gift now. I can see what you're watching on TV, what kind of light fixture you have, you know. Like, I love that stuff. And I only bought my own house a couple of years ago, so I'm not planning on moving anytime soon. Yeah. But the nosiness is, is hard to suppress. Mm. And the ideas that we get, because we've now been spending so much time in our homes. Mm. Yeah, so, like, the section was born out of that, really, like, you know, it, it's a balance. It's an, a new appreciation, I think, for our homes and what, what they offer us in terms of a sanctuary um, and, you know, the little things we can do with them and how you can suddenly take pride by, you know, if you weren't really into gardening, some people started planting things for the first time in the past year and you see how much pride you can get from that. And then we're also looking now that we can go a bit beyond our home. You know, we're trying to balance that slightly. But, like, when you can't go to restaurants, maybe you can make an effort with cooking, you know. So, like, our, our new food writer, the idea is that she... she caters to those that really cannot cook at all and then yeah. you know those that know a bit about what they're doing around the kitchen so yeah I just you know, I've I've really come to appreciate my home like you know our back garden is it's actually a concrete yard but right. I put loads of flowers out there in the past year and I've started referring to it as the garden out of respect you know for just having any outdoor space in yeah. the past year I just appreciate it so much more yeah, you do, don't you? Because I mean, we, this is about the time of the year now when we're putting preparing our garden for hopefully the summer ahead. And you, and I'm doing the very same as you this weekend. I'm gonna, well, I have grass. I'm gonna do the grass properly, and we're mm. gonna, you know, just t- take away the stuff that's cluttering up one corner, and hopefully get a bit of sunshine to sit out in it. You know, garden. Our gardens have become really important places for us. And there's just so much pride you can take in them, like. I just, I can't get over it. The, the pride I feel in a plant that looks dead, I prune it back and it starts to sprout new buds. I, I, it's like I've given birth all over again. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Well, I can't say I know what that feels like. But <laughs> similar. It's, it's similar to when you have an Ikea desk or something like that that takes 12 hours to put together and you're finally finished and you think, oh, my latest child. You know, now <laughs> I know similar. what you mean. Because I was telling yeah. listeners a couple of weeks ago, Ethna, about my 24 packet project from Ikea. And it arrived last weekend and nine hours later, much swearing and a few bruised knuckles, it's a wardrobe. But doesn't it feel like you won a battle? Oh, damn right it does. It feels great. It feels great. So 36 pages on Sunday. Home is the new supplement in the Sunday Times. 
that's great. Thanks very much. And thank you, Ethna Shorthall, uh, the editor of the new supplement Home in the Sunday Times. 1850-715-996. Bernie, on who's reopening and where you want to go for us? Any shop any shop at all. I'm just delighted to see them open. I'm delighted with places of worship too, and hairdressers, but I'm bitterly disappointed there's no news on restaurants. Those of us with a disability, standing outside having our coffee or a bite to eat, and it's very hard. I remember this even when they opened the hotels for the June weekend so they can make money. Well, the restaurants are opening for outside service, Bernie, and the pubs on the... 7th of June. Let us listen back one more time to what the Taoiseach has been saying about June. Subject to the situation remaining stable, we will then proceed with the next phase. And this would mean that from June the 2nd, hotels, B&Bs, guest houses and self-catering accommodation can reopen for guests. And from June the 7th, outdoor services in bars and restaurants can recommence. Outdoor sports matches can recommence, but with no spectators at this time. Gyms, swimming pools and leisure centres can reopen for individual training. The number of guests attending wedding receptions can increase to 25. And indoor visits in private homes from one other household can begin again. So your restaurants will open on the outside and your pubs open on the outside from the 7th of June. Taoiseach's been saying this morning, probably going to be late July before we can appoint inside which is unfortunate but let's let's finish i think with the with the promising his promising words last night because i think it's i think we should be sticking with these today the good news is that the strategy is working because of your hard work and sacrifices we are in a better place a million of our children are now back safely at school our young people are back playing sport house building has safely restarted all across the country vital non-covid health care is being restored and critically, our national vaccination program is progressing well. Yeah, we're getting there.